Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here is your host, Marina Maria. Scripture Zechariah 2 5 over Faith City Outreach, where the Lord says, And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Chaplain Ken Baylog from Freedom Within Ministry in Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you so much for being on Faith City Outreach, Chaplain Ken, to share your success and your experience in prison ministry here in Arizona State Prison. How long have you been in uh, prison ministry? Well, I have been in prison ministry for the past 18 years. And how did you know you were called to do prison ministry? Well, there's a little story that goes along with that. I originally came in with a team uh, who came to Arizona from Washington State, and they began recruiting people in our church to be involved in prison ministry here in Arizona. And uh, I had been praying for God to open a door of ministry for me, and I had a lady that had just been recruited by this team who came from Washington State. She said, Ken, I got involved in this great ministry. I think you'll be interested. I said, what is it? She said, prison ministry. I said, wait a minute. Let me pray about this. So as I was praying, and when you have a a close relationship with God, God sometimes answers your prayers in your thoughts. And uh, as I was praying, I said, Lord, prison ministry? And his answer to me and my thoughts was, you've been praying for a ministry, haven't you? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, then go. And so in August of 2001, I became involved in the prison ministry, and I knew that God had a call on me. I can sing, and that's what I would do in the prison ministry. I would sing my one gospel song for three minutes, and the team who were Bible college educated had the rest of the service, and they were excellent preachers, and I enjoyed just being involved with that three minutes. And that went on for about eight years. So were you a little, uh, let's say, reluctant or, let's say, scared to go into prison ministry? In the beginning, yes, uh, because I was an older gentleman then in my 60s, and these are most of these men are like 20, 20 to 30 years old, and uh, so that was a little intimidating to me at first, uh, but uh, God helped me uh, get over that. Yes, isn't it always interesting that um, when you ask for something, it's usually something that um, God answers in a different way. Like he doesn't really, he pretty shocks, pretty much shocks us, right? Yeah. (laughs) So do you, or did you have to go through an intensive safety training to do prison ministry? Yes, in the beginning, we would meet at this prison facility and go through an eight-hour training course 
as to how to uh, deal with inmates and the tricks that they would want to pull on you, uh, talk you into bringing them in food or magazines or whatever. And we were trained that we're not allowed to do any of that. And so uh, that was in the beginning. And now every year we take a uh, 45-minute internet course, a refresher update uh, for the safety and uh, uh, what we're doing in prison, what we have to know and, and understand about inmates. So was that training enough to prepare you for what you experienced? Yes. Yes, yes it was. Yeah. And so now what did, uh, let's say, <clears throat> what would you say to people who believe you should not witness to prisoners because of their past crimes? You know, I have never had anybody ask me that question. And if they would, I would say, well, anybody who's committed a crime, the Bible tells us we're all sinners and all of us need a savior. And that would be my answer to those people. That is so true. I have heard some comments, though, about prison ministry. And that's that's why I asked. Yes. Yeah. Did your family... Were, were they surprised that you got into prison ministry or let's just say the Lord led you into prison ministry? Yes, the Lord led me into the prison ministry. And after that uh, initial uh, 10 years that I went in with this team, the team was called into another ministry and moved out of the area and the whole team disbanded. And they said, Ken, if you want to take this prison ministry, it's all yours. Well, all I had been doing was my three-minute gospel song. And I said, Lord, I can't preach. You're going to have to teach me how to preach. And so I began going in on my own, and and the Lord has taught me how to preach. And uh, now I can preach a little bit and sing a little bit. And this is what I do each week that I go in. He equips the unequipped, doesn't he? Yes, yes. And I felt very unequipped. And the intimidation came back when I was in there the whole hour by myself with these inmates. Wow. So what did you do at that moment? Well, I would just pray every week when I went in, Lord, I need your strength. I need the power and help of your Holy Spirit as I bring my message tonight and sing my music. So is that what you really do? You go in there, you, um, you are a worship leader or worship singer and you also um, witness to them, right? Do you yes. have like a certain Bible lesson? or? Yeah, well, I, I, I preach an evangelistic message. One of my favorites to preach is John chapter 3, uh, being born again. Mm-hmm. I, I get the most response from that. So I will preach that probably one time a month. But I have about 14 other sermons that God gave me, and I pray every week, which one do you want me to use, Lord? Because I'm not Bible college educated. I didn't go to college at all, so... But the Lord gives me uh, another one is uh, John chapter 9, Jesus healing the blind man. And I talk about being spiritually blind and how you can Mm -hmm. see and know the truth. So those are two of my favorite sermons that I can preach without notes. And and I also sing gospel music for them. And I have words and music to worship choruses that they're using in the church today. And I'll pass those out. And I have the background music for them. And we sing those together. And some of the inmates are pretty good singers. And they enjoy, they enjoy that kind of a, a service. Now, 
when you go to a state prison here in Arizona, um, walk us through the steps that you take when you go and meet with the prisoners. Like you go, do you, how many hours a week do you do this? Uh, it's, uh, they, they feed them about 6.30, so about quarter to 7, they're ready to have a group. And they'll, they'll ask the, the, the prison area that they're in, how many of you guys want to go to a chapel service tonight? And there's probably 30 or 40 of them in, the, in that unit. And uh, I'll always get about 20. They, they require at least, uh, well, they want at least 20 in the chapel. And sometimes I get 23 and 24 so 23, 24 out of the 30. Yes. Okay. We'll, we'll come. And uh, they have a sheet they have to sign. So while they're doing that, I tell them why I come in here every Tuesday night. And uh, I tell them I had a life-changing experience with God 54 years ago, back in August of 1965. And I come in to share that life-changing experience with you men so you can also have it. If you listen to what I say tonight and the Holy Spirit of God helps you to understand the truth of the Word of God that I'm preaching to you tonight, uh, you can have your life changed. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. I'll ask them sometimes at the beginning, how many of you men know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven when you die? And maybe six or seven of them will raise their hand. And uh, Do you get the responses? The responses you yeah. mean? The, like, you, do they, like, after they raise their hand, do you allow them to say anything afterwards? Yes, yes, once okay. in a while I do. And, and I'm trying to feel out whether they are genuinely have a relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know? But six or seven out of 20 means that there's uh, 13 or 12 that don't know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, after I preach my sermon, I will have them bow their heads, close their eyes, no one looking around, and I will tell them, Uh, tonight you might be thinking preacher I need what you're talking about my life's messed up I'm going to prison I want to invite this Jesus into my life tonight and if that's you and you mean business with God tonight I'd like you to slip your hand up well no one's looking around and six or seven will raise their hand and then I'll tell them I'm going to take this a step further and I'll be asking you men who raised your hand to stand and we're going to pray a prayer together Similar to a prayer I prayed 54 years ago that changed my life forever. But I want you to know, just saying a prayer doesn't get you into heaven unless the words you're praying are coming from the sincerity of your heart to God while you're praying. And God gave me uh, what they call a sinner's prayer that I use every week, and it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So I have them pray a sentence at a time with me, that prayer. And uh, I don't know who genuinely invites the Lord into their life. I will know when I get to heaven, however, because Um, I'll have those men coming up to me and telling me, remember when you came into prison mm -hmm. in September of 2017? So then I'll know who genuinely received the Lord. Right. As if for now, the Lord knows now, but you'll end up knowing later. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, so in the morning, you get there at 6.30 a.m.? No, 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 no. This is in the evening. Okay, so this is in the evening at 6.30 p.m. Right. 
Okay. And you stay there for a few hours? Well, I have to sign in at a, at a, at a desk in the front. I have to go through a scanning machine okay. uh, to make sure I don't have any metal in my pockets or mm-hmm. anything like that. And uh, then I go through a big iron door. They close that one behind me. I go through a second iron door, and there's a room there with cameras that they scan the whole prison facility with. I go through that door. They give me a uh, radio so that I can contact somebody if I have any problems. Then I go through a third iron door that goes out into a big courtyard, and and right at the edge of that courtyard is the chapel. And uh, I may wait five to ten minutes for the inmates that they assemble to come in uh, to the service for that evening. Now, when you first began that process that you had to go through three iron doors, was that intimidating? That was. The first couple times I went through there, I thought, I hope they let me out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. It was intimidating. Uh, the, the, the whole process was. But now, and I've never had an incident where an inmate tried to attack me. I was going to ask you that question. Yeah, never, never. They well, wow. uh, for the first uh, several years, I went in by myself. There was no camera in that uh, in that chapel, but now they have a camera in there. And I'll tell the inmates, you know, say hi to the officers. There's the camera up there, so they know that they're they're <laughs> being watched. But uh, I've only had uh, maybe five times in 10 years I've had uh, inmates get rowdy in in the meeting. And I would just tell them, I'm going to call for a guard to come and take you out if you don't settle down. Right. And and they normally do. I had one man who gave me a lot of trouble, and I was ready to call the guard on him. Yet when I preached my sermon, he was one of the ones that responded to receive Christ. And he wow. said, I, I was raised in church all my life, and, and I, never, I never got it. He says, I got it tonight. Wow. And I have a log book that Lord. I keep at home of every service I do. And when something special like that happens, I'll add that in. I always add into that book the number of inmates that responded to the altar call given. Uh, this past Tuesday when I went in, I had uh, uh, 20 men in the meeting. Excuse me. Sixteen of them responded to receive Christ, and uh, the week before that, I preached my born again sermon, and I had all I had twenty one men in there, and all twenty one of them responded wow. to receive Christ. I I don't That's know amazing. if they genuinely did, but you know, all, all twenty one of them did. So I, I've been having some uh, wonderful results. But uh, I always pray before I go in asking the Holy Spirit to put thoughts in my mind and words on my lips that are just for this group of Mm -hmm. men that I'll be ministering to tonight. Yes, because you did mention to me uh, when we had a conversation prior to the interview that you have different men coming in every week or every day? Every every week, yes. Every week? Uh, Every week. uh, This is a prison where they move them out within a week. It's it's kind of just a stopping off place uh, where they're fingerprinted, their pictures are taken, and uh, then they're sent to other prisons, probably Florence or a prison in Globe. So it's like prepares them for prison. Yes. Okay. And then you only have a limited amount of time to be with them. Yes, yes. By 8 o'clock, they want, uh, they want me to call on the radio to tell the officer to come and pick them up. So I have, like, from 10 to 7 to 8 o'clock. So I have 70 minutes to, uh, to preach my message and to sing gospel music for them and with them. 
So 70 minutes Monday through Friday because you're only with them for a week. Uh, no, 70 minutes on Tuesday night. Oh, That's, so it's just one time. It's just one time. Yeah. Wow. But it's about a 50-mile a round trip for me. Wow. And, and uh, being a volunteer, you don't get paid. Right. So we're doing 1,200 miles a year. Wow. Of your own of your own time and your own gas that you're paying for, but it's worth it all. But it's God's work, and you know you're oh absolutely you're expanding yeah. the kingdom of yeah. of God. Yeah. And a lot of these men, like before I came to know the Lord, thought that my religion was going to save me. I thought that going to church every Sunday was mm. going to get me into heaven. Yeah. Yet I felt so very distant from God and wanted to know Him. And uh, I came to the Lord uh, over a Bible study I heard on a tape recorder uh, back in 1965. Uh, and uh, the, the preacher used the Romans Road. I knew nothing about the Bible. It took me a long time to find the scriptures he quoted. And the Romans Road is Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, death, but the gift of God is eternal eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8, God showed his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Mm -hmm. Christ died for us. And then John 3, 16. And that night the man said, put your name in there where it says world. For God so loved the world. So I put my name in there. For God so loved Ken. Can that be that he gave his only begotten son that if Ken would believe in him, he would not perish but have everlasting life? And that night, the Holy Spirit opened my understanding and I understood the gospel and got on my knees and invited Jesus into my life. And uh, that was 54 years ago. Hmm. And, uh, and I tell them in that story and tell them that's the reason I come in here. Now, to do share they ask that you with questions? You. Do they ask you questions after afterwards about your testimony? Yes, yes, I, and 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 I, and I answer them as honestly I, as I can in the short amount of time that I have. Yeah. Right yeah. now, do you begin with your testimony when you meet with them for the seventy minutes on Tuesdays? Yes, because okay. for about the first ten minutes, they have to fill out a sheet. They have to put their name and their prison number down on that sheet. So that's when I talk to them about how I came to a saving knowledge of Christ and, and why I come in here. And so after your testimony, um, what happens next? Uh, then we pray together. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell them, I'm, I'm not here tonight to talk to you about religion. So if you came here for a religious service, you're going to be disappointed. said, I came here tonight to talk to you about a personal relationship with a personal God. And I let them know that religion will not get you to heaven. Religions require you to do things to work your way to God, and you can't pay your way to heaven because God paid the price through his son, Jesus. Yes. In, in any of the time, do you also have worship time? Yes. Uh, after we uh, get that sheet around, they sign it. We have a word of prayer, and uh, then I preach my message, and after the message, we uh, sing gospel music together, some of the worship choruses that are traditionally sung in the church today, and then I'll sing a gospel song or two for them 
before our time frame is up. And then I'll pray for them before we go. Ask them, how many of you men have uh, families, wives, and little ones at home? Do you believe God can take care of them while you can't, while you're in prison? And I say, raise your hand if you believe that. And then I have them keep their hands up, and we pray that God watches over their families Mm -hmm. with his people and his angels and protects them also Mm -hmm. uh, while they're in prison. So I'll, I'll pray with them before they go also. Now, at the very end, are they allowed to go up to you or even not, if not go up to you, maybe just um, raise their hand? We are, we are told not to have any physical contact with them, but okay. on the way out, three-fourths of them want to shake my hand, and I let them do that. Okay. And the officers never say anything to me. But, uh, but yeah, and, and a lot of them will thank me for coming. Thank you for coming tonight. Uh, I, I really needed this, or I'll get a comment. Uh, occasionally, I'll get a man told me, I accepted Jesus tonight. And mm-hmm. that gets written in my logbook every Tuesday night when I go home. Whatever, whatever happens, how many men responded, you know. You probably and, get a lot of men crying too, right? Not not really. Not too often. I've had a few, but and they try to hide that because a lot of them, you know, they've been brought up in. Most of them are brought up without a father in the home, and uh, that. So was you a, think their hearts have been hardened? Their hearts have been hardened. Yes, and mm-hmm. uh, so it's 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 a it's a, a difficult situation. But uh, I had I had a, a a poor childhood myself. My father was an alcoholic. Uh, verbally and physically abusive. Mm-hmm. My mom had to go out and work 12, 14 hours a day. And I share that with them sometimes because a lot of them have gone through the same thing mm-hmm. uh, and tell them, but when I met the Lord, that changed everything in my life. I knew I had a loving heavenly father, you know, and Jesus that loved me. Yes. Now it's interesting because you bring up a very important topic and that is that we live in a fatherless generation. Do you believe that that is one of the major reasons why a lot of men are in prison? Yes. Yes, I believe it is. Uh, because because they have no uh, relationship or feeling of belonging at home. Or the sense go, of love or acceptance. Or the sense of love. They go to gangs. Mm-hmm. This is what this is why the gang population is so large. Because there is no feeling of belonging at home. And in a gang... They treat you, they call you brother, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is why a lot of men go into gangs. And unfortunately, the gangs are doing things that are going to get them sent to prison. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, um, are gangs increasing here in Arizona? Do you know? Yes, very much so. Now, are there certain parts of Arizona uh, that they're increasing more? Than other areas? Probably near the central city over on the south side of Phoenix and Glendale. Yes. Um, my uh, youngest son has a friend who's a policeman here in Phoenix, and he said, yes, the gangs are definitely increasing and making uh, things more dangerous. And would you happen to know at what age that it begins? Probably as young as 12, 13. So middle school. Yeah. Okay. Getting into the gang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting lone gangs. Right. And I tell the inmates, you know, if you're in a gang, you need to get out of that gang now. This is because you, you have a God who loves you and a relationship with him. And I tell them when you get sent to your other prison, 
the first thing you want to do is request a Bible from the chaplain there because they're going to be sent out within a week to another prison in Arizona. It says, and rather than hanging with the general population in the yard, hang with the holy Joes because the general population in the yard, you're only going to get in trouble. And a lot of them will shake their heads, yes. You know, I mean, they're bringing in drugs, they're being uh, selected to beat up other inmates. There's all kind of things that go on. Uh, Even in, within the prison. Within the prison, yes. So I tell them that's what you want to do, and you want to study your Bible, and you want to go to and learn everything you can about Christianity. When you get out, find a church of people that will take you in and, and love you and help you along to grow as a Christian. Now, Bibles are allowed to be given inside the prison, right? Yes. Who who gives, who distributes them within the well, prison? Well, in the, in the prison that I go into, since they're just there for a short time, mm-hmm. they don't give them any Bibles. Okay. But when they get sent to the other prison that they're going to be spending their time, two, three, five years, however long they're going to be there, they, the chaplain there will give them a Bible. So I tell them to contact the chaplain in the prison you're being sent to and request the Bible and start going to the Christian meetings. Right. Yeah. Now, do you ever find out if they, if they do that? You know, I, I only had, in all the years I've gone into prison, I've only had one inmate mm-hmm. that uh, we were at a, a uh, Culver's for hamburger lunch, and the manager there come up, and he started looking at me, and I looked at him, and I said, I know you. He says, I know you too. I says, where do you think you know me from? He says, I was an inmate in Florence Prison, and we used to go out there once a month and do a a chapel service for them. So he got out of prison, he had accepted Christ, and here he is now a manager of a Culver's uh, hamburger restaurant. Yeah. So he did. His life had been changed. Yeah, his life had been changed. But most of these men I'll never see again until I get to heaven. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, what advice would you give to someone who is beginning prison ministry? Well, I would tell them, first of all, pray and make sure that God has called you to do this. I knew and I realized after this uh, team told me if I wanted the prison ministry, it was all mine. uh, I knew that God had called me to be an evangelist. And uh, so you want to pray and make sure that it's God's calling, because if it isn't, you're not going to do well. Mm -hmm. God has to call you, whether you're a missionary or whether you're going into prison or whatever your call is, uh, ministering to the homeless. uh, All of those are uh, an anointed call from God, and you'll know it. You'll know it. Exactly. Now, was there something that you wished that you would have known beforehand, before starting prison ministry, that you didn't know or nobody told you about? Well, uh, the only thing I could say about that is I realized after I got involved in the prison ministry uh, that uh, seeing men come to Christ was such a real blessing and, uh, as the world would call, a high to see men want to invite Christ into their life. And, and I knew after that that I, I just had to be involved in this ministry and, and, and do this. This mm-hmm. was God's calling. Yeah. And I'll do it for another 18 years should God give <laughs> me uh, that 
amount of years. I'm 75 years old. Wow. And uh, God has given me life and health and strength and the ability to be able to go and to preach every week, and I'll be doing that for the distant future. Amen. What advice would you give to, uh, let's just say, individuals, not just, it would be both men and women your age, that say, well, I'm too old to go into ministry? What would you say to them? A lot of seniors feel that after they leave the workplace and after they retire, that exactly. they're not needed anymore. That's not true. God has, and, and if you pray and ask God for a ministry or where do you want to use me now, Lord, he will. Because none of us are, uh, are retired. You never retire when you are a child of God mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God. God Amen. always exactly. has something for you to do. And uh, if you ask him, he will definitely show you the ministry. I'm, I'm, I am also on a worship team in a church that I go to. I go into nursing homes and sing gospel music. And uh, I'm busier now than I was when I was working. Amen. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you never retire exactly. until God calls you. then you've retired but then in heaven you're not retired either because you're going to (laughs) be praising god for eternity right it's true now what were you doing before volunteering in prison ministry what kind Uh, of work did you do? well i uh when i moved to arizona here i i was called to be a worship leader and for uh almost 20 years in uh in pentecostal churches i led worship uh for the Lord. And it was a, it was a marvelous blessing to get into the presence of God. And when, when the majority of the people are worshiping God, they're not thinking about where they're going for lunch, what they're going to do on Sunday afternoon. They are just genuinely tuned into God. God inhabits the praises of his people. And those worship services were dynamic. Some of them where the presence of God was so strong, you could feel the hair standing up on your arms because of the Mm -hmm. presence of God being so real. So uh, before that, yes, I was involved in uh, as a worship leader for 20 some years. Wow. Now, you just receive an award. Can you talk about that? Can you share about I Well, yes, uh, partially. Because of some security reasons, I can't tell the exact name of the, the prison I'm involved in, but uh, there are some uh, 60 religious volunteers that go into this prison. And uh, out of those 60, I was given the award as the, uh, uh, the Religious Volunteer of the year. And I was so surprised to receive that. I asked the chaplain, we had our annual um, appreciation banquet for all of the the, uh, volunteers that go in. And after that meeting, I asked the chaplain, who decides on this award? Mm -hmm. He said, I do. I said, why did I receive it? I'm sure there's a lot of other I said, you have people with prison fellowship that come in and, you know, all kinds of other ministries. He said, he said, well, he said, they all come in teams. You come in by yourself and you're here every Tuesday night. And I love what you're doing and I appreciate you. So you get the award this year. I was very pleased to receive that award, and I have it hanging right on the inside of my door as you come in the door. I was <laughs> very happy to receive that. Sure. But that's just some of God's blessings in life you, right. you receive when you're faithful to Him and do His work. 
Amen. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you, thank you. This is Marina Maria from Faith City Outreach, and I'm talking to Chaplain Ken Baylog from Freedom Within Ministry in Phoenix, Arizona. And we are talking about his work, his volunteer work, in prison ministry. Chaplain Ken, can you please share about the ministry organization you represent, Freedom Within Ministry? Yes, originally it was a team that came from uh, Washington State to Arizona, and they wanted to continue that ministry. And uh, so here in Arizona, they recruited some of the people from our church, and that's how I got involved. That was the name they had for the ministry, Freedom Within Ministry, and I chose to keep that because we're talking about uh, inmates who are in prison, but even though they are behind bars, they can be free. So that's where the freedom within uh, comes from. And that that's, was the name chosen for that ministry. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty powerful because even Christians, we can be in bondage when we're out here in this world. Absolutely. I mean, we don't have to be in prison to be when we're, we can be in our, in our own prisons, you know, yeah. Yeah. in, you know, outside of prison. And so um, we can build prisons or walls around us if we don't, um, let's just say, um, you know, with our walk with the Lord, you know, we don't. Yes. Most uh, Christians I have observed today uh, are in bondage to fear. Right. And anxiety. Mm -hmm. And the Lord tells us to be anxious for nothing. Nothing. What we have to learn is regardless of what's going on in this world, and there's a lot of terrible things going on in this world. If you listen to a half an hour of news, you can be depressed for a month. But what we have to realize is that God has everything under control. He is controlling all things, and he's also controlling all things in our lives. So we don't have to have fear about what's going on in the world around us or fear that our families are going to be uh, in danger. When you learn to trust the Lord, you have peace. You have peace inside. And and that's that peace that Jesus promised. A peace I give you the world cannot give. Their peace is temporary. But the peace of the Lord is is solid, foundational. It Amen. lasts. Amen. Yeah. And the unconditional agape love that the yeah. Lord gives us too is uncomparable. Yeah. Now, another thing that also keeps us in bondage is unforgiveness. I mean, you probably deal with that with the prisoners, right? Unforgiveness, yes, yes. And uh, I haven't dealt with that in, in a preaching sermon, sermon yet, but... Uh, I'm sure the Holy Spirit will give me something to 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 say about that in the in the near future. Unforgiveness is a is a big thing. Uh, we had a friend uh, just visiting us uh, the past uh, day that said uh, unforgiveness is not so much for the person that hurt you. Exactly. It's for you yourself, you yourself. to be free. Yeah. And I think so people don't know, notice that or they realize don't. that. And yeah, unforgiveness is a, is a terrible bondage. Yeah, and we have to learn how to let it go. It took me five years to uh, uh, forgive my father for the kind of father he was, how he treated me, and how he treated my mother. And uh, actually, when he died, I was 21 years old when he died, and I was glad he was dead. Hmm. That's when I became a Christian at 21. And every time I'd go up to the altar to pray, as soon as my knees hit the floor, 
God would say, what about your father? Say, later, Lord, later. And I held on to that unforgiveness for five years. And after five years, I was able to let go of that and let go of all the unpleasant memories that I had uh, about him. So, yes, uh, it, it, it sets you free. Jesus said, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So you have to let go of, of the hatred and bitterness that uh, unforgiveness attaches to you. Amen. That is so true. Now, uh, Chaplain Ken, what would you tell people out there? You have about 160 or more countries that are listening to you right now in over 50 states. There's so many people that have not forgiven their families or even people and they're holding on to it and they're saying just like what you said five more years or not now father not now what would you tell them right now well i would tell them it has to be right now otherwise every day that you hold on to that you are in prison and bondage for another day to your hatred and hatred and bitterness which actually physically makes you physically sick can, can make you to the place where you can get sick and die because you haven't forgiven. So what you need to do is ask God to help you to understand what you need to do to forgive somebody and say, Lord, I, I let it go. I'm giving it all to you today, and I'm asking you to take this unforgiveness and, and, and take it out of my life today. And if you pray that prayer sincerely and you believe it, because that's what faith is all about. You have to believe what you're asking for and praying for. God will deliver you. Yes, and sometimes um, the Lord can help us, um, give us strength to forgive. Yeah. Um, sometimes we can't do it within our own strength, but no. with his strength, he can help us. Yeah. Um, with that, what you just said, I totally agree with that because I myself didn't want to forgive. Um, you know, my father too. But I asked my father, I, I asked God, help me forgive. I don't want to. This flesh doesn't right. want to forgive. Right. But I know I want to do it for you, and I know I need to do it. Yes, having the spiritual desire to want to be yes. free from that is is what causes us our heart to change. You yes, know? the have, desire for freedom. Yes. Liberation. Yeah. yeah. Amen. You'll have freedom within. Freedom within, just like the organization, the name of the ministry. Amen. That's beautiful. Now, uh, chapter er, Chaplain Ken, are there any, let's just say, um, is there help or support after the prisoners are out of prison? There are um, organizations and and religious groups that some of the men will have access to when they're sent to their other prison and where they're serving out their sentence, that they can join up with. um, I'm trying to think of the name of the organization. There's a a large Assembly of God church over on 40th Street and Cave Creek Road. Tommy Barnett used to run that. Oh, the Dream Center. The Dream Center, Yes. yes. And, and I, I tell the inmates to get in touch with them when they get out because uh, if you are truly sincere about following God, they will help you, uh, teach you computer, uh, try to get, get you a job uh, and mm-hmm. help you get, get on your way in life because it's very difficult for inmates to find a job when, sure. when they come out of prison. 
uh, employers don't want to hire them. They don't trust them. But the men whose lives have been changed, they don't, they don't, the employers don't understand that. So, yes, this is one organization I know of, uh, but there are also other resources that they find out when they are in their prison that they can contact and get help with. Now, do the prisons actually connect them or do they just give them the names of no, the No, they resources? give them the names. This is their choice okay, they to, have, to reach out yeah, and respond Super. after they uh, are released. Now, what are the statistics of them returning back to prison? Unfortunately, it's about 80%. Wow. But a lot of the men who get saved don't come back. So I would say in that group, okay. it's about 30%. Okay, so yeah. there's a huge difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I have had, um, uh, I would say, probably 25 or 30 inmates over the the last 10 years that I've been ministering in there by myself that said, oh, I remember you. I was here four or five years ago. And I, I used to say to them, wow. what are you doing back here? Yeah. But that kind of embarrasses them in front of the other inmates, so I stopped saying that. But uh, yeah. Uh, genuinely some of them you know it's just too difficult they they get out they were they were selling drugs before they went into prison and there's a lot of money in selling drugs it's fast easy money uh, yeah fast easy money and when they get out and they can't find a job they just go back to go the back main dealer and say hey i want to do this again and they get caught again and they're back in prison wow yeah, because they yeah. can't find a job right yeah so it's or, difficult. Yeah, or even if, like, let's just say they find a job, it's not making the same amount of money that they earned. Oh, no, selling, drugs. Yeah. Selling drugs, right? So yeah, they yeah. All, that could also be a discouragement Probably making $10,000 mm-hmm. a week selling drugs. You know? Right. Who makes $40,000 a month? You know. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Well, the statistics are pretty high. Yeah. So 80% f- uh, of them that are not saved return back to prison, and only thirty percent that are saved right. go back to prison. Right, the percentage is a the lot percentage smaller. Percentage is a lot yeah. smaller. And and not all the inmates in prison are interested in religious meetings. They not all of them go. Mm-hmm. You know, right. So the ones that do go and are interested, and most of them, uh, their recidivative rate is very small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you work with um, or you talk to men who are in a different stage level of a crime. Can you describe that? Like there's different levels in the prison system. You said level one, two, three, four. Uh, yeah. The, um, well, as far as the crime they commit, most of the, the, the men that I'm ministering to are uh, of a low security level they they it's probably drunk driving or domestic violence that they're being sent to prison for or do, selling drugs you know uh the the ones who've committed murder and violent crimes i don't get to see them they're not going to put my me in jeopardy because of that that type of a an individual right now so, for those let's say more serious crimes are the prisoners, or not the prisoners, but are there chaplains who are doing yeah. the work in those higher? Yes. Um, yes, there are. We did crimes. get to go into the um, 
at Florence a couple of times into the uh, maximum security unit on death row Mm -hmm. and talked to some of those inmates. Uh, Most of them want nothing to do with God. They have their own opinion, their own ideas about what life is all about, and they don't want to hear it. Right. But... uh, and the, them, you you talk to them behind their bars, of course, right. and stay away from the bar. <laughs> I was going to ask you that how you yeah. how you actually yeah you you're to not them. you're you, you mm-hmm. can't put your hands on the bars and talk to them. You you have to stand back so they can't at a distance where they can't reach out and grab and grab you, you or do yeah. anything to you. Yeah. So and those are all rules that you learn before you would go into a unit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you know anybody, do you have a, let's say, chaplain friend who does talk to the inmates that are in the higher, let's just say, more serious crime areas? No, I don't. However, uh, uh, my uh, son and daughter-in-law, the sister of my daughter-in-law, has a young man who is on death row for a murder, and we have been sending him letters and witnessing to him. And how is that And they've going? gone into, he's not really that open to the gospel. And now the federal government just opened up uh, again because I guess they've finally found a drug that they can use for in, uh, injection in the inmates that works. So the, for about five years, uh, they have stopped doing the, um, the killing of the inmates. But now that's back open again, and so he can... So it's, any it's, time. it's um, they passed the law now that could be yes. used yes. for death row yes, prisoners. Yes, for death row prisoners, yes. Wow. Now he's on death row for that? Is he going to be? For, he's, for, for murder. For yeah. murder. But um, how does it look that he, is he there for like? I we're, know just, there. we're just continuing to write him letters and okay. uh, um my son and daughter-in-law are going in there because it's my daughter-in-law's sister's son. And they, they go in once a month and talk to him. Mm-hmm. So they're allowed to be visited? Yes. Okay. But they talk to him behind a glass, which you have to talk through this slot. Oh, to, okay. You know, there's no contact at all. Right. You know, because they're dangerous, death, they're considered dangerous uh, death row inmates. Yeah. And he's been in prison there on death row for 18 years. Wow. Yeah. Now, is he able to or allowed to write letters to his family? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And They just probably have to read the, the letters. letters right? The letters that come in can only come in if he accepts them. Only they if he accepts yeah. them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Now, do, they, do the letters <coughs> that they write to their families have to be read? In order for they are. To. They are all. Every letter that comes in and goes out <clears throat> are read by the prison staff. Mm-hmm. They want to know what's going on. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what I. So. I would. Uh, I would guess. Chaplain Ken, what is um, happening to the uh, persecuted Christians in Korea? Well, in North Korea, um, I understand that there are. 66,000 Christians who are in prison because the leader of that nation believes that he himself is the superior being and nobody should worship any other god. And uh, in those prisons, they are tortured. Uh, They are fed 
one tablespoon of rotten corn every day. That's all they get to eat. And uh, I recently heard that in an African nation, four men who uh, were Christians, and, and it's a nation where another religion is very dominant, uh, and because they were wearing their crosses, they were taken out and put to death because of their faith in Christ. And there are many other countries where uh, this is happening. There, there is more persecution of Christians now than there was in the first century. Happening, Why? happening Why around is it the happening world now? Uh, because uh, there are other uh, religions that are dominating the world that are false religions. There, there, there's, actually, there's actually only one God, <laughs> and we worship the one true God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to save us from our sins. And that's the only, the only God we have. But there are other nations that believe there are other gods and we need to worship them because they are the true God. And, and this is in conflict with uh, Christianity. And uh, people are being put to death and tortured and put into prison because of their beliefs in, in the Lord Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And we don't hear very much about the persecuted Christians either. No, we don't. And we won't hear from it on the, uh, the general news channels. We will hear about it on a lot of the Christian uh, uh, TV broadcasts. Like they're, TBN they're, or... Yes, uh, TBN. They will bring out or, the truth about what's happening around the world. But we won't hear it from our, our regular news media. Why is that? They don't want to air the truth. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of untruth coming from our regular news media. So, yeah, this is a, this is a big problem around the world, uh, persecution of Christians. So that also can be in our prayers too, right, Chaplain yes, Ken? Yes, yes we, we, need need to, to we need to definitely pray for the uh, persecuted Christians around the world each and every day and for our missionaries who uh, go into these countries to preach the truth of the gospel. Exactly. Yes. Now, do you believe or do you, yeah, do you believe if this is going to get worse for Christians? Yes, absolutely. In uh, these I times. believe that we, because of the signs of the times we are seeing, <clears throat> that the Lord Jesus' return is imminent. And the Bible teaches us that there'll be great persecution before the Lord Jesus returns. So. We need to be in prayer. We need to be in tune with God. We need to be reading our Bibles every day. We need to be spending more time in prayer with the Lord. And we need to be showing the world that we are different. So they will want what we have. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. That is so true. Do you believe it's happening here in the United States? Absolutely. Yes. The persecution. Persecution is happening in the United States. In, in a... In a a a subtle way, not as uh, dynamic as it is in other countries. But yes, it's happening here in America also. What examples would you give of that if they're settled? Um, So it would be something like, for example, just excluding them, exclusion? Yes, exclusion, uh, and and there are some states that there's a, a dominant religion other than Christianity that you can't get a job if you are not a part of that religion. Mm-hmm. I, I won't rem- mention the name of right. that religion, but uh, yes, uh, so it's 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 done subtly and it can't be proved. 
uh, when when people try to challenge it in court. But mm-hmm. uh, if you are not a part of that religious group or organization, that you are uh, ostracized from many activities that go on in in that state. Or even just in the workforce, too. In the workforce also. If they know that you're yeah. a Christian. And and a lot of workplaces where they know you're a Christian, they treat you uh, subtly with persecution also. Right. Because you're so different. A lot of people that aren't saved think that you have an attitude, I am holier than you mm-hmm. because of the way you live. And mm-hmm. it, it bothers them. It convicts them, actually. And they right. don't like the conviction. Exactly. So you, yes, you're treated uh, with that that type of persecution in the workplace. Exactly. Right here in America. Yeah. Right, but we also have um, carnal Christians that are behaving like the world. Right, and that and that's what's confusing the world, and that's why we're seeing such a drop in membership in churches today, <clears throat> mm-hmm. because. Uh, Christians are acting like the world, and the Bible tells us to come out from the world, to be separate from them, to live the life we're supposed to live before Christ, not the same life that the world lives. Amen. Yeah. To renew our minds. Yes. Yeah. With the Word of God. Amen. Uh, Chaplain Ken, is there anything that we did not, let's just say, cover, or that something you want the listeners to know about your ministry or anything? Well, I I would like uh, people to pray, uh, especially for uh, men that are in prison, uh, because a lot of people's lives are changed that go to prison that would not be changed otherwise. God had to put them in prison to get their attention Mm -hmm. and have uh, men of God who have a desire to to go into prison and preach the gospel, to hear that message and have their life changed. So pray that God raises up uh, more uh, evangelists to go into the prison to preach to these inmates and that their hearts will be open to respond, to want to come and listen to the message. Many of them come just to get out of their cell block for an hour because I will sometimes say that to them. I know some of you guys are here tonight because you just wanted to get out of your cell block for an hour, but it was God's appointed time for you to come and to hear the message Yes. and to believe and receive the truth. Yeah. And then you find out that they did, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So pray for God to raise up more prison chaplains and uh, evangelists to go into prison uh, to preach the gospel to these men. Right. And there may be people out there that are, God's calling them to do prison ministry and they're not, you know, receiving they're not the responding. Call. They're not responding. Uh, be, to out, the of, call. out of intimidation or fear uh, the way I was, but I responded because God spoke to me and said, You've been asking for a ministry, now go. And right. What would you say to them that are not responding to this call? I would tell them to pray and ask God, Is this the ministry for me? And God will let them know. Yes, yeah. and they just have to do it, right? You have to. They'll be yeah. blessed and yeah. be successful and victorious, just like yourself. Yeah, it, it, God doesn't call people who feel they're equipped for a job. He always calls people who are feel unequipped, and God always, <laughs> so you true. know, uh, well, when he called Moses, Moses mm-hmm. said, God, I can't go. I have a speech impediment, this and this and this. But when God wants you, he'll equip you to do right. what he wants you to do. 
He equips the unequipped. He equips the unequipped. Yes. Amen. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, uh, Chaplain Ken, for coming here to share your experience, your victory in Christ uh, within the prison ministry. And um, I just would like for you to pray for all the prisoners in the prisons. And this is for all over the world. And yeah. anything else that the Holy Spirit of God is leading you to pray for. All right, let, let us pray then together. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you today. And we thank you, Lord, for the people that you have called to go into the prisons. And that you've given them a, a burden and a desire to evangelize these men and women who have gone to prison. I pray, Father, that uh, inmates throughout the world will have a, a chance to hear the gospel, especially in, in countries where the gospel is not permitted, <laughs> Lord, and where there is severe persecution and, and torture in prisons. I pray, Lord, that your message and your word will go out all over the world to these men and women who are uh, behind bars, Lord, that they can understand and know that they can be free even though yes. they are behind bars through the power of your Holy Spirit and your love and your precious blood, Lord Jesus. Minister, I pray, to each uh, volunteer and each evangelist that goes into the prisons with your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. We have run out of time, but Faith City Outreach can be heard again on Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. This radio program is sponsored by King Jesus Christ Ministries in Phoenix, Arizona. You have been listening to the Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. The music used in this broadcast is provided courtesy of zapsplat.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.